0: Welcome to the Future of Internal Communication podcast series. This series is brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and is hosted by myself, Jennifer Sproul, Dominic Walters and Catherine Barnard. How we work is in the early stages of profound transformation. Over the next decade, the entire nature of how we work will change. Technology, evolving socio-cultural attitudes and behaviours, globalisation, climate change, And these are just some of the trends impacting the way we work in the 2020s. While many aspects of work will change in the coming years, some things remain constant. One of those is the role communication plays in our ability to create understanding, meaning, and enable people to perform at their best, both individually and collectively. How we communicate sits at the heart of organisational success. World-class communication transforms working lives by helping people feel informed, connected and purposeful. When we feel seen and heard, we feel our contribution matters. With change as the new normal, the work of the internal communication profession has never been more important and in this podcast series we explore the changing world of work to identify the opportunities for the internal communication profession. We believe that a better understanding of the future of work will help us deliver better communication strategies for our organisations. And when we better serve our organisations, by default, we future-proof our careers. We hope you find this podcast series thought-provoking and encourages you to really see the opportunities that lie ahead as the world of work continues to change. Hello everybody and welcome to episode one of series two of the Future of Internal Communication podcast series and we're going to kick off this this second series where we're going to talk about first of all the post-pandemic workforce and what does this mean for internal communication. In this series we're back with our regular hosts myself Jen, Dom and Kat and but today we're thrilled to be joined by Alison Davis who is an internal communication and engagement specialist has worked in many corporate organisations and now runs her own business called Crispin Communications so welcome Alison thank you for joining us on our podcast series so just to kick us off just tell us a little bit about your background in internal communication.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, you yeah, know, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to, to come and talk on your podcast, which is fantastic. Um, my background is quite similar, I think, to a lot of my peers in that I started life as a, a PA um, really got to understand how businesses work um, and then I guess kind of fell into internal communications but found a real passion for talking to people and using I guess uh, some of that organization experience to really drive and come up with strategies and and theories I guess back kind of 10 years ago um, in in how we did communications better um, my journey has taken me through lots and lots of businesses and um, and I guess I've, I've grown, I think, over the last two years in particular into what I would call more of an engagement specialist. I think it's been a difficult year for a lot of us. Um, I think um, I personally have been affected by the pandemic um, and therefore I think I've had to move um, at a pretty sharp pace myself, um, really upskill myself in in what I would have thought previously. I, I I was very good at, um, but it actually found I found out I had huge gaps in <laughs> even my skill set to deal with uh, some of the problems. So, um, so, yeah. So you know, I I am internal communications through and through. Absolutely passionate about my business.
2: Well, Alice, let me pick up on that because obviously one of the things we're looking at is is the effect of the pandemic on internal communication. So. I know you've worked with several organisations over the period of the pandemic, so what changes have you seen uh, in internal communication in those organisations?
1: Um, I think for me, one of the biggest changes I've seen is um, how static we probably were at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a function, we would have just kind of gone through our traditional channels without really thinking about changing much. Um, you know, we were probably a little bit more focused on, on telling people what they could and couldn't do. Uh, with regard to communications, where we did desk drops, how many, you know, toilet door posters were, you know, a certain department doing. And I think... For for me, it's been the speed of change. Um, you know how quickly we've had to go from thinking about delivering communications to actually working with stakeholders to work out the best ways in which we can talk to uh, to departments that weren't actually present in 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 a in a office function. Um, I remember at the start of the pandemic, we were asked to um, to transfer our physical Uh, kind of huddles and town halls um, into something which represented our more remote workforce and, you know, other departments kind of struggled with that, but I think communications had already thought about podcasts and blogs and vlogs and using technology to, to get our messages across. Um, of course, lots of colleagues were furloughed. Um, that that also put another kind of spanner in the works because a lot of organisations just didn't have that data. You know, they didn't really know, uh, you know, the email addresses of all of their colleagues. They didn't know how to get that physical presence to them. Um, but I think with with Teams and 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 all the kind of social tools, we were able to go out uh, in a more human form than we probably had done in the past. So I think, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think communications has, has absolutely come out glowing uh in 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 the way that they've responded to the pandemic and you know i long may it continue i think this is a real opportunity for us to even look at the things we've created during the last 18 months and continue to build on them
2: i guess one of the things that People who've been involved in internal communication for a while will know there's a, a constant battle to be taken seriously, to be seen as strategic advisors. Um, what impact have the changes you've described had on how organisations see internal communication, do you think?
1: I, I think there's been a, a great shift in um, in, in organisations that had previously not really put much benefit on internal communications. You know, for, for a long time, we've always been seen as just the doers, um, you know, the, the people who do put communications out into, uh, you know, kind of corporate eyes. But I think all of a sudden, the the skill set that we have within internal communications has really brought us to the forefront. The ability to to you know record videos, to edit them. Uh, you know normally organizations would have needed a whole suite and, and team of external professionals to do that, and I think we finally realised that those professionals are, are, are on our front door. Um, we just haven't used them properly in the past, and you know internal communications professionals as well are very. Uh, very reliant on, on you know, professional development. You know, we all spend an awful lot of time teaching ourselves new skills. We don't rest on our laurels. You know, we kind of know how to write. But what we don't know is, you know, maybe how to edit a video or how to produce a podcast. And I think a lot of us have gone off and actually self-taught ourselves how to do these things. Um, so, organisations, I think, are really having to kind of stand up and, and appreciate that maybe they haven't thought of us in that way in the past uh, you know we are strategists we are organizers uh, and we are very clever uh, and and resilient and speedy at coming up with these new solutions and putting them on the table in front of senior execs and and I think they've they've started to trust us probably a lot more than they did
0: I think that's really fair. I mean, I've seen that as well in terms of the work that we've done with IOIC and the way that we've reached out. And members certainly felt like they've given us that feedback. I feel like people really actually respect my opinion. They respect the skill set that that we bring to the table. And I think, yes, and I agree a lot of that. Is we are so, uh, you know, fast paced. We change. We develop ourselves. And we, We're doing all that. And just picking up on that, is, do you, have you seen, and also a change, I guess, from this post-pandemic world of... Of not only how we're communicating, but what we're communicating, does that feel different as well, or mm. or is it just you know doing in a different sort of glaze? Is, are we seeing that transition? Um, I think at the beginning we were so heavily focused on
1: on delivering news and updates and information because I think we we felt we had a a, a duty of care to our colleagues to actually make sure that they were represented in a way that 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 was um, I guess we were wrapping our arms around our colleagues a lot at the very beginning and um, And I think as we've gone through the last 18 months, I think the quality of news and the type of stories that we're sharing are much more emotionally driven. They're much more about people. They're less about corporate processes and uh, you know what I'm hoping over you know the I I keep saying like like it's another 18 months I think going forward and into the future I want to see that emotional connection to our colleagues um, really continue and to become the forefront of what we talk about Um, you know there there have been stories there have been uh, you know Pieces of raw information, I think, we would never have previously got from our colleagues because they would never open up to us in a way that I, th- I think they have done over the last 18 months. We have been able to, uh, you know, draw stories out of individuals that will last with organisations forever. Um, and and I, I just don't think we should waste that. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity to be more empathetic uh, for us as a profession to, uh, t- to really understand and and harness the emotional power that I think we've seen, uh, you know, really develop. And and yeah, so, so I think the, the, the quality of what we share now has to be about how we support people and less about telling them what to do. I think
3: that's really interesting what you're saying there, Alison. I think what, as I'm listening to you speak, what I'm thinking about is how internal communication is quite literally the tone and the voice of an organization's culture. And when I think about how organizations are likely to evolve from here on in, I don't I just don't think, in spite of all the rhetoric that we see in the media week in, week out, about, you know, back to the towns and cities, back to the workplaces and so on and so forth, we will never ever get back to that body of substance where most people went to work, there's going to be a myriad of different um, working options. And certainly what we're noticing in the labor market at the moment is that even if you as an organizational leader have decided that your organization should be back in the office five days a week, even if you've got the gravitas and the cultural clout to pull that off, by default, you're limiting, you're ruling out um, a good percentage of the labour market as job applicants because of the extent to which job seekers are looking for flexibility and remote working as an option. And so for me, when I think about internal comms, what I'm thinking about is how the function becomes the culture. It is the culture. It's the voice of the culture. And and how to your point about the emotional bond that has been created over the last year year and a half how the profession has this opportunity to become kind of the 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 community builder and the community nurturer because how do you bring people who are distributed here there and everywhere how do you bring them together how do you bring their hearts and minds together around the purpose of an organization and I can't see another function within business for whom that opportunity lends itself so well.
1: Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think there is. Um, I, I think lots of, lots of functions within, certainly within large organizations are, you know, I guess a, a process. You know, communications is uh, yeah. a, a deliverer uh, you know, of, of of stories of news of, of information, but I think one of the things we probably have to, um, to to focus on is is how we've delivered those messages. I think that's massively changed um, over over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, you know, where we've gone into digital features. Um, you know, we're kind of pulling away from the more traditional methods, and the the way in which we've been able to bring new content and new features to our our kind of audiences. Through through these these different mediums, um, I do think is to our benefit because I'm not entirely sure any other part of an organisation could have been quite so creative in such a short space of time.
2: And I guess this also goes back to the age-old debate about uh, which part of the organisation does internal communication serve. <laughs> does it does it serve the the, the organisation or does it serve the people who work for it? Mm. And, and I think what's happened. It'd be interesting to get your take on this, Alison. Is over the last eighteen months, it's The perception of internal communication has shifted by organizations from being a delivery channel of its messages to being a forger of connections, Mm. I think. Um, But but just to get your take on that and, and how you've seen that work.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I hope some of the listeners can can kind of, uh, you know, come with me on this journey. But, you know, I've worked for HR teams and I've worked for marketing teams as I've been part of, uh, you know, the internal communications function. Um, You know, for me, when you're aligned to marketing, you're you're aligned to selling the business. So you're, you're aligned to how a business sells its products or its services, and you're essentially marketing to your audience, uh, who are, of course, your, your ambassadors, your colleagues. When you're aligned to the HR function, you are generally more about the people. So you tend to be involved uh, from a communication standpoint in, uh, you know, rewards and benefits and, you know, developing the intranet and all that kind of stuff. So I think... You know where communication sits within a a within an organisation is a is a is a strong point for for any you know, professional internal communicator, because uh, you will either sit in one of those two camps. But I think what I would like to see more than anything is for internal communications to have more of a seat at that top table, because we are as important as the HR director, you know, we, ha- we know what our audiences are seeking, we know the way that they want to be delivered. So, you know, why is it that internal communication still doesn't have that gravitas to be a director of um, you know why does it not be yeah you know, and I'm talking about it in its generalistic term because I know a lot of organizations do have that 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 structure because p- you know people within their organizations have seen the benefit of what internal communications does but uh, I, you know it's more frustrating for I guess my level because I've only really just started to head up into you know, the kind of head of internal communications. And I've spent the last 10 years working as a manager. Um, So, you know, for me, I'm frustrated when I see these organizations still claiming to just want an internal communications manager, they're going to sit under a HR or, um, or, you know, marketing director. And, you know, you're, you're, sign-off process is, is going to have to involve some kind of negotiation as to how important the message is that you're sharing and of course if it's if you're sharing a marketing message and you're working for HR you're going to get that it's not really important it's not really about the people even though you know that the people you're working for think it's the most important thing you're talking about so I think it's about time that internal communications professionals, really had a more senior voice <laughs> and didn't necessarily have to report through that structure
0: mm. I think that's a really interesting point and I think you know it just makes me we think about the conversations that I have all the time around you know where it sits what do we know how do we get the ear of it how do we become an advisor how do we influence what does that mean to the mandate that I am given and it's also depending on where you sit or where you don't sit some of the time what am I competing with So it's like, what's mine and what's yours? And and I I, I sometimes wonder as those kind of centralized functions as well, that we're just not collaborating well enough um, and doing that in a way that actually is to the benefit of the business rather than Mm -hmm. our own personal profile. And sometimes I feel that's a real distractor. And does that not come around to then the cultural dynamic that you're Mm -hmm. creating that, that then enables that? And I don't know about this, but... And I also think that we think about the future of the profession. Yes, I agree. I think we have been under-resourced, you know, know, never necessarily had all the things that we wanted to do in terms of sign-off or where we sit. And I'm I'm hoping that we'll see see more investment. But also I think we need to, as a profession, work harder to articulate with a sense of power and gravitas the purpose of what we're there to do, the power of what we do, the importance of what we do. Um, Because then through that we can start to, start getting the myths right of what you what skills you should be recruiting in and i just don't know if you've seen this around a lot but i'm putting this out to everybody really and i'm seeing this you know we're here talking about the future of internal communication we're talking about the future of work and, and there seems to be particularly in the kind of people functions or those functions some organizations really shifting functions or departments like i hear about now departments so now we're the departments of culture engagement and diversity but that's not the hr department <laughs> Or, or it has part of the HR department or actually, you know, we're this. Are we getting ourselves in a bit of a muddle um, and where do we all sit? And I just, you know, when there's so much important work to be done, I are we in a muddle?
3: I Do you know what? Right away, right away for me, when I hear what you've just described there, a department of, what did you say? Culture, engagement and something else? Diversity and equality. Right, so, so straight off the bat for me, that is worrisome because... To me, that sends a really strong signal that nobody else in the organization needs to worry about Mm. those things because we've got a department that deals with it and it's everybody's responsibility. And actually, I was thinking about something that you just said earlier when you were talking about, you know, collaboration within organizations and whether or not that was problematic. And I'm like, for me, if you've got a problem with collaborating within your organization, then your organization is dysfunctional. Communication is the glue by which information and knowledge and wisdom and insight gets shared and it's there's there's two aspects aren't there there's like you you colleagues need to know this information so that is a broadcast but there's that conversational intelligence which is how insight evolves and for me now you know with the um, way in which work has devolved and it's now happening all over the country not in offices it's happening online offline synchronously asynchronously whatever we want to call it it's happening and I think personally that organizational leaders need to wake up and understand that culture isn't just simply a book that gets read and an external consultant who comes in to to advise on things it is every single breath that you take it's every single verbal and nonverbal communication signal that is witnessed by those around you and, and I know that we, we you know these are the themes and topics that we're talking about in this series it's communication is an art form that we're rapidly losing our ability with because we're just deferring to digital communication but it's what brings us alive and if it brings us alive at a human level then surely that is what brings us alive at an organizational level and surely then communication is so interconnected with culture that you can't it can't be. You can't dissect it. It is one and the same thing, is it not? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm. <laughs> maybe I'm barking yeah. up the wrong tree, though. I don't know. Uh,
2: I, I, the short yeah, answer I, is, is yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think. It's Sorry, really Alison, inter- go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say it's, it's really interesting because you, you know we all have we all have a passion for different things you know my passion um I've got a huge passion for diversity and inclusion and you know at at previous organizations I've spent an awful long time trying to work on um you know business resource groups or you know how do we start to build these communities you know that doesn't make me hr you know, that just makes me a really passionate internal communicator. Um, so the, the fact that I feel that I can, you know, support, uh, you know, our diversity and inclusion policy or whatever have you, um, to HR means I'm interfering in their area, which is really frustrating, I think. Um, you know, because, again, because we are so good at, at, you know, self-development, you know, I would have gone off and listened to podcasts and listened to, um, you know, professionals within the diversity and inclusion space uh, talk about what's what's important to them and 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 what they're doing in their organisations. I'll take that information into my organisation and say, oh yeah, it's a really great idea. I'd I'd love to do something on X, Y, and Z, and they go, oh, it's policy. It needs to be HR. <laughs> And you just think, how are we ever going to break down these barriers? If you've got really passionate individuals in businesses, you know, who might belong to finance, might belong to HR, might belong to whoever, uh, and we don't give them the time of day to get that message across, uh, you know. I think that, and as communicators, I think we're more empathetic to that because that's the messages we're sharing day in, day out, um, you know. But but how do we, as organisations, start to collaborate and pull together? Otherwise, we really run the risk of being siloed, miserable you know businesses that you know mm. you're only going to see one side of any story
2: but hopefully one of the, the positive effects of the pandemic on organizations is a shift in that because i think as leaders have had to deal with teams all, in all different places in all different working styles they have well, sorry many of them have focused much more on building that sense of community i think m- many more leaders have started to understand they do need to give different departments their own space to develop they, they shouldn't be too constrained by policies and I think there's been a shift in some organizations to we'll try stuff out and if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world depends what it is I suppose but it's not the end of the world so I, I have seen a shift in those three areas which move much more towards what you're describing as being desirable I think Alison we're not there yet so I think there's a positive from that
0: maybe it's we, we you know we need herd mentality you, know,
2: you, you can't call it that anymore. I think there's, there's I a new know. name for is that, it. That that our day. <laughs> yeah, I think a, the name for that, that day, was last it?
0: week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never ahead of the trend, me. <laughs> but I do think it is a muddle, and it's something as a profession we need to be really cautious of the behaviour again that we want to create in how we work with our counterparts in any function. Um, and actually, if we work well with them, then surely then we can sit side by side with the leadership whoever that might be in the right situation that requires it but I think as a profession as we move forward we have to we have a lot of you know a lot of opportunity ahead of us and um, we need to do that by by really bringing in and kind of working more collaboratively and perhaps as we say playing that connector role and, Mm. and and model behavior and perhaps when we get pushed back is pushing past it and hopefully when we see other organizations doing good stuff that that will see others follow Um, And I won't use that phrase to describe it, but I just previously did.
3: (laughs) Maybe maybe that is the opportunity, actually, because somewhere within an organisation, somebody needs to be teaching what collaboration looks, feels and sounds like and why not internal comms. You know, when there's so much friction between departments, it seems, that's not your responsibility, that's their responsibility, this is policy, you can't get involved in that because da 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 da. Actually, collaboration is the only way organizations will survive. And who's assuming not the responsibility for, because I don't think it's oh, that's our responsibility and nobody else needs to worry about it, but how we learn as as, as social creatures is through role modelling and so somewhere within our organisations we need role models of collaboration don't we and actually what better what better profession than internal comms because so much of collaboration is contingent on effective communication
1: i think that there's 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 an awful lot of businesses though i think who who don't have that single point of contact you know a subject will come up and they'll say you know, we don't have anyone who, who deals with that. Um, yeah, I was recently involved in, um, you know, looking at, a, 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 I guess, CSR, ESG kind of strategy. And um, there was a, a conversation which floated around, um, you know, who, who would look after our, um, you know, charitable foundation status. Yeah, nobody really kind of wanted to put their hand up and say, yeah, that's that's me. It was, oh, internal comms will deal with that. It's CSR, isn't it? (laughs) And I was like, please, God, don't do that. Um, But it's, you know, people just don't... I think there are lots and lots of businesses who are who just don't have that single point of contact and you know internal communications do become that department uh, a little bit of you know we are the jack of all trades and therefore if if we if we if we shout loud enough you know we do tend to get ourselves involved in projects we probably wouldn't uh, if we hadn't have said yeah i'll look into it i'll deal with the relevant stakeholders and, and we'll come back with a solution because actually first mm-hmm. and foremost in all of the projects like that colleagues are at the, at the at the forefront of it you know it's going to affect a colleague so it, it does need to come through some form of internal communications channel even if it's just to say mm. this is a crazy idea
2: <laughs> so I, I guess if you're listening to this you might say there's a fantastic opportunity here for us uh, the, the the climate's moving in our direction the organizations need what we do um from your experience Alison, what sort of things uh, can internal communicators do to make the most of this opportunity to to be if you like accepted and get permission to do the stuff that we've been talking about.
1: Um, you know, I always say be brave. You know, I think as as communicators, we just need to be a little bit braver, and we need to start. Standing up for our own um our own convictions. You know, we are so good at so many different things and people have put us in a box for an awful long time. You know, the creator of the magazine, the builder of the intranet, and we're so much more than that. So, you know, let's 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 stand up for what we believe in. And if you're super passionate about something, tell somebody, come up with a solution, come up with a plan. Um, because you know, if if you have courage in your own convictions, I I genuinely believe that, you know, that, that you can do whatever you want to do. And let's get a seat at that top table. You know, let's be the collaborative partner that, you know, we've, we've really embraced over the last 18 months. And uh, you know, I, I can only I can only hope that you know internal communications really have a, a phenomenal couple of years where we really start to see fruits of our own labor of what has been a horrendous <laughs> eighteen months for everyone. Um, yeah. You know, but but let's continue to keep learning, continue to keep studying, you know, developing as individuals, and you know, looking out for what our peers are doing. You know, the I wouldn't I wouldn't come onto an institute of internal communications podcast without saying you know make sure you're a member <laughs> utilize the resources you know let's let's go I'll for, take that Alison to today I will there you go <laughs> uh you know go to, the, go to conferences when we get back to conferences make sure you mm. go network meet people you know it's
3: so so important and it, it's so so important just to mirror that because let's let's think about this Who decides anyway, if you're not out there crafting and curating the direction of travel for your profession, someone else is going to make a decision for you and you won't like Mm. what is decided for you. So, you know, if you are like you, you clearly are, Alison, you know, committed and impassioned and imaginative and creative, go and shout about how vital communication Mm. is to organisational function. Because let's face it, without communication, internal communication, you've got an organisation in dysfunction and no leader is going going to want to sit at the helm of a dysfunctional organisation.
0: I agree. And I just think... There is a real opportunity, you know, and obviously I sit here in my day job and obviously I'm of course very passionate about fighting and standing up for for, for how vital this is and uh, as a profession and, you know, I've been lucky enough to understand and speak to some fascinating people and I just, we were going in a great direction before. But this 18 months, it just its added a new flavour. It's added a new level of complexity, I think, for organisations to deal with in the how and the why and the what and the—and actually how we've changed society, how we view things as humans. Um, but I think it, there's also been the impact of commercialism and competitiveness and markets and globalisation and, and, and all those things that we need to compete against but I think that we do have a very vast array of skills to offer. Actually, and I always say as, as a profession, we kind of have this wonderful crossroads of skills. You know, we have some HR skills perhaps in there, depending on where we've been. We've got some comms skills. We've probably got some, you know, understand marketing and PR and internal and external. We've a bit of organizational strategy skills, business skills. And if you think about how that all comes together, it's quite something that, that that's special and unique. And and obviously at the ROIC, we, we, we're dedicated Championing about it and this isn't a podcast about the I.O.I.C. by the way but of course when we're talking about the future of the profession it feels very hard not to you know acknowledge the organization one is here to represent <laughs> um, but there is this thing about making it an I choose I see which is what we're trying to do and actually I think being open to many other fa- skills entering our profession that can really add value like we're seeing now many more um, psychology graduates you know, thinking about it, those that are really interested in human behaviour and, and studying all of that, it can really start to bring in so many more skills um, that, that when if you think about that kind of impassioned piece that we've had as a profession for years, that we are really important, please bring us in. Actually, I think by our own nature and by the forces of the world, I think that, that there's no question you wouldn't want to sit by your side. I think that's that. I mean, maybe that's a biased impassioned view, but that's how I feel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> In fact, Alison. Sorry. Where, uh, uh, sorry, no, go ahead. Sorry, no, go on, Dom. I, I was I was going to change your question slightly, change the point you're making slightly, and borrow a question that we have used on other podcasts, which is, given the opportunities we've been talking about, Alison, if you were advising someone uh, who was looking to choose a career. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you say to convince him or her that they should be looking at internal communication
1: um, so, so it's a really fantastic question because um, I, I genuinely believe that just because you don't have internal communications on your CV shouldn't dissuade you from actually applying for an internal communications role. Um, you know, I think like, like, like Jen said, people come with different skill sets, irrespective of where they've worked or, or what, what role they've done in the past. At some point, they would have had to have come across communications in their own businesses and organizations they will have examples of how they felt when those particular messages landed and I'm quite sure that as a human being you will say I've got an opinion on that and actually I probably wouldn't have done it this way or I'd have maybe introduced something slightly different so if, you, if you're if you going to come to me uh, as a you know a candidate for a role and you're a brilliant video editor or you've got skills in product marketing, or if you, uh, you know, if if you're a bus driver, it's kind of irrelevant. You know, you will have had to have dealt with the public at some point, and you would have had to have worked out how you communicate with those individuals. So, um, you know, if you're passionate about talking about communicating about collaborating about trying to make the world a slightly better place than it is right now uh you know just go for it you know i think the you know through the institute of internal communications i've been a member for many many years you know i've learned about the futures program the mentors program you know there are lots of opportunities i think in which you can look at internal communications without making that step um so you know do it read stuff you know go go to conferences you know i i spent 18 months um the last 18 months especially when i was made redundant because of the pandemic i spent a whole month going to conferences you know talking about my experience talking about you know what where internal communications kind of was at that moment in time i learned so much about other businesses and i think i've become a much better person because i i took time out of my job search to actually better myself as a professional um so i'd say look it's a role that is completely it's it's without limits to to anybody who feels they have a passion and if uh, and if you do have a passion for, for for anything that internal communications can bring even if it is strategy because internal communications is quite a lot of writing <laughs> it's quite a lot of strategy building and if you're good at that kind of thing um you know there's always going to be a place for you in internal communications and there's you know professional qualification routes and all kinds of things so it's not just a pen pusher job I think people have to understand that it's it's not all about writing for magazines there's so much more involved in it so yeah let's let's kind of champion everyone to get a role in comms.
0: Oh, that's brilliant! Thank you so much, Alison. I think that's a wonderful note to to leave that on and insights. And um, it's wonderful to hear you talk about so passionately about your um experiences, your, your passion for for the for the profession, and your passion for for the difference that that we make as a collective. Um, and I always say there's that something that's to be really proud of. Um, I, mean, I mean, we should sure all feel proud as humans, but I think there's as a as a biased and passionate advocate, I think there's a lot of pride to be had. There is. Um, for internal communicators and so thank you for that and and hearing about your journey and um, hopefully the opportunities that lay ahead for us um, as we we work our way through so thank you Alison thanks Dom thanks Kat and uh, we'll see you hopefully again on the next episode this podcast has been brought to you today by the Institute of Internal Communication and is produced by Jessica Williams and Shabby tolu ulgun